Welcome to the Fresh Take Podcast, brought to you by Craig's Power Equipment, locally owned, family run, right here in Colorado Springs, the corner of Wasatch and Vermaho. And joining me, I'm going to give him a special introduction. Wow. This young man is known as the voice of reason when it comes to the Denver Broncos. He's also known as Broncos Country's number one fan. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome to the First Take Podcast, Dan Koshel. Well, first of all, Justin, thank you for inviting me. I can't believe it. I made it on your podcast. Yes, this is an incredible this day. This is a hol- holiday treat as yes. we approach Thanksgiving. And boy, do I have a lot of stories for you. Yes, and we're going to start. That's, in fact, let's just start from the beginning. Okay. When did your fandom begin with the Denver Broncos? Oh, my goodness. Wow, we're going to have to go way, way, way back. And this is going to, this is obviously going to tell my age. So you introduced me as a young man. So <laughs> hang on to your bootstraps young whippersnapper. Um, so when I started watching the Broncos was way back in 1977 when I was 12 years old. Um, I remember everybody at church was talking about the Broncos, everybody those days. At it, church. So at, you learned about the Broncos at church. At, at, church, church. at my, at my uh, uh, <laughs> Sunday school class because my teacher was wearing uh, an orange jersey mm-hmm. and everyone everyone was talking about the Broncos at that time they had a new head coach Red Miller they had the orange crush defense they had just got a new quarterback called Craig Morton who wore number seven and the Morton to Moses connection that year was really special and I just got caught up in it in 1977. Mm-hmm. What part of Colorado were you in? Denver. Oh, okay, so this is in Denver, so you're oh, at yeah. Epic Center. Yeah, I was right there where it all happened. And, you know, back in those days, it was football was so different back mm-hmm. then than it is now. In I what mean, ways? Um, it, it, you know, back then it, it was more, uh, obviously the salaries weren't there. Uh, you know, you didn't have a lot of off-season training like they do now and all of the technology to get their bodies right you know, the massagers and all those things. It was just pure football. And, um, you know, from what I understood about the game back then, all I wanted to happen is that I wanted Denver to win no matter what. And when I watched Craig Morton, I I didn't have enough experience to understand how bad his knees were and how lack of athletic athleticism he had. And it was just, it was just back then, it was just a lot of fun just watching them, win games which a lot of people in the national media back then jimmy the greek schneider uh brett musburger all those people in the national media never gave denver a chance Uh uh-huh and i was 12 years old and i was just watching everything i could on denver and hoping and praying that they would win (laughs) (laughs) and what happened did they win they won they won that year that was Mm -hmm. the the first year that i started watching them they got on a hot streak and mm-hmm. won games with the Morton to Moses connection and then uh, made it in the playoffs. I remember a Pittsburgh Steeler team came into town, and I remember hearing all about the vaunted uh, Steeler defense, mm-hmm. the, the Steel Curtain, oh. and uh, Terry Bradshaw. But the good news was for, for the Broncos is that Terry was coming in with an injured, I think he had an injured pinky or something. Mm-hmm. He had uh, several injuries that year and was not up to speed the way Terry Bradshaw was, you know, 
in prior years or years after the 77 um, season. So Denver beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and then got into the AFC championship game against the Oakland Raiders. Oh, And I remember just the excitement around Denver was just, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun to get caught up in it, you know, and um, when they when they actually won the game and went to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. it was just a magical feeling. And I and that was the first time I watched the season. You know, watched the team play for mm-hmm. an entire season, mm-hmm. and I've been watching it ever since. And who did they face off with in the Super Bowl? And and where was the location? In New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, mm-hmm. against the Dallas Cowboys in a brand new stadium, brand new stadium called the Louisiana Superdome. Super yep, which still stands today. Right, and back then it was in, it was interesting because now the technology is there for you know for all the cameras that you see on television. But back then, there the the cameras didn't zoom in as much as they do now mm-hmm. and it made it made that stadium look humongous mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean i just i'll never forget that i'm like wow they're playing in this huge stadium you know and they're calling it the Superdome, and it was just you know it was just really cool but i i, I was so excited i watched all the newscasts with our news partners now at krdo uh, nine news uh-huh. they were kusa they were doing their newscasts from new orleans the whole mm-hmm. week leading up to the Super Bowl, and it was just the whole city of Denver just got really behind the Broncos, and they haven't looked back. So. (laughs) I love looking at your eyes when when you're about to shift subjects or you throw one at me. Okay, go ahead. Take us into the 80s. What was it like in the 80s? Let's get into the Elway era. Well, first of all, when when John Elway was – in Stan- at Stanford, mm-hmm. I remember going, wow, that'd be so great to so have you, that. So you watched him play college ball I, at Stanford. I, I really didn't get into college football as much as I did pro football mm-hmm. back then, but I just remember every single news outlet in Denver and the nation kept talking about this phenom called John Elway. Mm-hmm. And how strong his arm was, and athletic, you know, his athleticism was just off the charts. And he was just uh, poised to just be the greatest thing since sliced bread coming into the NFL. And I just remember watching all the things about talking, uh, you know, about that leading up to the draft that year. And I would watch ESPN, and they're, they're talking about the number one draft choice, um, the uh, the uh, Baltimore Col- Colts at that time. And I just remember, wow, that would be so cool if we got him. So I remember watching the NFL draft. And I remember the Colts making the pick of John Elway, but I remember all the scuttlebutt that he would never play for the for the Colts. That, according to his dad, he said, you know, John will never play for you guys. He has a baseball offer with the New York Yankees, so don't draft him. And knowing that, they drafted him anyway because I think secretly that the Broncos and the Colts had worked out something before the NFL draft. Really? Yeah. Why and, would you think that? Well, what? ultimately, it proved the case. Mm-hmm. So the Broncos made an offensive lineman draft choice that year, Chris Hinton, or uh, Hinton. I can't remember his first name, but um, they made their first pick as an offensive lineman, which ultimately went into the 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 deal to get John Elway. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, it's interesting because. 
I don't know if you've been to Denver quite often, I, re- I would imagine. Yeah. When you're coming down I-25 in Hampton, I-25 in Hampton, um, yeah. there used to be a hotel in the uh, northeast corner of I-25 in Hampton, and that's where the Broncos did the deal to get John Elway oh, really? and, and sign him, yeah, in that hotel. Wow. And, wow. It, and, and so, but anyway, so take you, taking you back – you know, uh, our quarterbacks were, uh, you know, DeBerg and and Matt Herman had been traded with Who? a guy a guy by the name of Matt Herman. Who? <laughs> he was traded in the in the Hinton uh, and the draft picks to get John Elway. So he was a quarterback that used to play for the Broncos. Steve DeBerg was the uh, starting quarterback for the for Broncos. That at that time they made um, the coaching change in nineteen. I think it's nineteen eighty. They got um, Dan Reeves. Dan Reeves, and he brought his Dallas, uh, you know, offense, offense, and, and all those yeah. things to Denver. And so in nineteen eighty two, in then in nineteen eighty three, uh, the Broncos pulled the trigger, got John Elway under Dan Reeves' offense. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Those two went on. Was to, the excitement similar to in the expectations similar to what we saw earlier this year with Russell Wilson? It was. It was more. It was. It was a lot more. Only uh, because I can't it, believe that. No, it was a lot more because they, they, they had got a, a fresh college player. You know, so the difference mm-hmm. is Russell Wilson will always be known as Seattle, right? In this case, for Elway. He became a Bronco instantly when he was signed. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot more excitement for for John Elway, only because he would be homegrown, so to speak. Talk about the pain of the Super Bowl losses of the late oh 80s goodness. and early 90s, starting oh with that Giants game at the Rose Bowl, I believe. Yeah, it was awful. I think that was – wasn't that the Michael Jackson halftime? No. no I keep no, thinking was it was Cowboys a, and Buffalo. Co- Cowboy and Buffalo, okay. I just remember that, you know – when Denver went back to the Super Bowl for the first time mm-hmm. since the 77 season, when I was 12 years old, I couldn't believe they were back in the Super Bowl. And it was just that, I mean, the excitement was awesome. Um, you know, we just had everything going for us. We had John Elway back in the Super Bowl. But I just remember, wow, you know, we don't have that many athletes on defense. They play well together, but I just didn't know if they'd, be able to overcome the mm-hmm. magic that the Giants had that year and with their vaunted defense with Lawrence Taylor and all those guys I just um it was a very close close Super Bowl but they just smothered Elway the entire game mm-hmm. and it was very frustrating 87 Ugh. you go to Jack Murphy Stadium to take on Washington, Washington. yes Washington is led by what people thought <laughs> at the time was a over the Hill quarterback and Doug Williams who yep. didn't get in the start games for Washington until the like week 16, I think. Yep. Cause he was, uh, in a duel with uh, Jay Schrader. Yep. Broncos were heavy favorites. Wasn't Timmy Smith on that team? Timmy and- Smith was the running back. <laughs> they had the, uh, the wide receiver cord with Art Monk, Ricky Sanders, Gary Clark, I just remember the very first play from the line of scrimmage or just during the first drive, I remember The Broncos Elway, got off to a quick start. They did. They got the touchdown to Ricky Natile. 
Mm-hmm. In the uh, corner, Part of the three flamingos. Yeah, the, I remember the that. three amigos. Yeah, yeah, the three amigos. <laughs> okay, okay, the three amigos. Okay, and uh, and and it's interesting because in the eighties when they played at the the Giants, I had been on Denver radio for mm-hmm. the last three years before that Super Bowl ten mm-hmm. uh, uh, appearance. So my career in Denver radio was actually began in nineteen eighty five. So that's when the the years for Elway were starting to come together. And being on the air in Denver when the Broncos were the thing was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And that's why I remember how much energy there was. But Mm -hmm. anyway, so the Broncos get off to this great performance. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't I don't want Denver to score, you know, very many more points because I want the national attention to be on Denver. I want it to be a close Super Bowl and I don't want to blow out Washington. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking. Man, I hope they don't blow them out because I want the whole national audience to see how great the Denver Broncos are, right? And the rest is history. In that game, after we lose that game, and uh, Doug Williams and Timmy Smith do their thing, and it was just so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I uh, actually went to uh, Doug's uh, celebration. <laughs> All right. They, they threw him a big parade in uh, Zachary, his mm. hometown, my mother's hometown. Oh, that's awesome. All my family's hometown, and... He brought down the hogs. Brought oh, down. Part of that was Mark Schlereth. Yes, yes. Uh, he brought down the receivers, uh, Ricky Sanders, Art all Monk. of those guys. Yep, Art Monk. All yep. of those guys came to town. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, I was just uh, what I don't know if I was seven years old yet, but oh. I remember just about every part of that Saturday, that parade, and then the parties afterwards. It was a uh, it was a huge thing. Doug became the first uh, African-American quarterback yep. to uh, win a Super Bowl. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the weather is starting to change and old man winter is breathing down our necks. So I want you to do something to get ready for the arrival of old man winter and head over to Craig's Power Equipment, your local authorized outdoor power equipment dealer serving Colorado Springs, Right now, Craig's is carrying brands like Toro and Honda snow throwers. Also, Snow X plows and Sanders are in stock, along with Honda generators, which are 5% off. At Craig's Power Equipment, all purchases are serviced on site and ready to go, and all warranties are handled locally. See Craig's Power Equipment, the corner of Wasatch and Vermijo in Colorado Springs. Then the 49ers oh, Super Bowl. 40, Awful. Oh. Awful. And it was That was in New Orleans also in the Superdome. Yeah. And you could and I all I remember watching that game is, you know, how everything looked closer because the technology for mm-hmm. TV cameras were a lot was a lot well, better. But also the configuration yeah. of the dome yeah. uh had changed by that time. Because right. I believe in the it was in so the early days in yeah. the early days of the dome, the seats were farther back. Yes. So there was like all this concrete area That's exactly surrounding right. the field, but the configuration by that time had changed. Yeah. And it was a lot better, but I, you know, after the Broncos lost that game to the 49ers, you could see the frustration on Elway's face. You know, he got them to the Super Bowl, but they just didn't have enough to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it dated back to the Giants, the Reds, the uh, Washington team, and then um, and then the 49ers. So he was really getting frustrated during the, mm. during those years. And then we move into the the Shanahan. Well, the mm-hmm. start because Mike Shanahan. 
uh, was what he went to the Raiders, right? And he then left he went to the he, 49ers. He left Denver, right, to go to the Raiders, the arch rival of the Denver to Broncos. be their head coach, right? And it was interesting because uh, Al, um, what's the what's the Raiders coach? I mean the, the Al Davis. Al Davis. Uh, he brought him over didn't work out and he owed him an, a massive amount of money mm-hmm. and Shanahan never forgot about that. Mm-hmm. But before Denver, so he, then he left the Raiders and they went to the 49ers. He was the offensive coordinator. They won the Super Bowl. I remember in the 95 season, um, I was with the Broncos. I covered them. I mm-hmm. covered the team and flew with them to Barcelona, Spain, mm-hmm. when Wade Phillips was the head coach. Just for a preseason game. Just for a preseason game. At this time, they played a lot of preseason games overseas. Right. I mean, Tokyo, yep. London, yep. Um, and, and as you said, in, in Spain. Right. And so when I when I flew with the team, and I actually you know was was in the team charter all the way to Barcelona, it was interesting because. Um, Wade Phillips was a good defensive coach, but he didn't do anything offensively. Elway was starting to get a little bit older, and they went into overtime in that game in Barcelona against the L.A. Raiders, and um, and and they lost. And so there was, you know, there's a lot of expectations for that team. But then they went into the AFC Championship game against the. Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, this in is ninety six. Okay, in nineteen ninety six, with primarily most of the core players that played in ninety five. And Jacksonville was, was an expansion franchise. And they were an expansion. They were in year two. Yep, Tom uh, McLaughlin or Tom Coughlin was the head coach, and Denver lost that AFC Championship game to Jacksonville, and that's the end of the 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 Broncos. Um, misfortunes when it comes to the Super Bowl because the very next year in 1997 they open up against Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. beat the Chiefs and go all all through the season with John Elway and a guy named Terrell Davis the mile high salute the era. mile high salute that's when he first did it and their uniforms had changed and the helmet changed and everything <laughs> changed and the Broncos get into the Super Bowl at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego against the Green Bay Packers, the defending world champions. Brett Favre. Brett young Favre, Brett Favre. A massive, big defensive lineman. And Denver ran rough shot through the— Reggie White. You, you talk yep. about Reggie White. Right. And so Denver finally wins the Super Bowl because they now have a running game to go with John Elway. Mm-hmm. And Elway's getting older at this point, so he needed it. He still had the arm strength, but he didn't have the athleticism he had yeah. in the beginning. And they finally win their first Super Bowl, and then they win their their next one in '98, the next season. The Falcons against the Falcons. Yep. Um, Let's move on to to today. Okay. We 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 talked about that that storied history. Right. Does that make what's going on today with the franchise so much harder to accept? Yes, and that's um, you know, Denver and the fans of Denver have not experienced anything like they are experiencing this season you know there were so much expectations because obviously you get a superstar quarterback you think you know your expectations are higher you attribute it to all the other things that bring memories back to your to yourself and that is every time Denver gets a good quarterback a great season is going to ensue 
And when it didn't happen, especially the opening game of the season against the Seattle Seahawks, that was a precursor for what was to come, you know, and the rest up to this last game is history. Mm -hmm. Up to, what do you mean? Well, I mean, the whole season has been a microcosm of expectations Uh and not getting it done. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the game against the Las Vegas Raiders, I'm absolutely, at the time of this podcast, I'm absolutely shocked that the Broncos haven't addressed the head coaching position. This is is Tuesday. This is Tuesday. Tuesday after the game on Sunday afternoon. I I literally thought there was going to be something on Monday (laughs) that got rid of this fiasco Mm -hmm. regime. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I fully anticipate happening at the end of the season. There's no, and it doesn't have any really thing, any anything to do with the, you know, the the quality of the team. Well, I mean, obviously it does, but it doesn't have anything to do with um, l- lack of edu- uh, execution or thing, anything like that. They're making major coaching yeah. blunders, mm-hmm. and that's the difference between letting a guy go after his first year. Or keeping him, and if they were making good coaching decisions, and they, you know, they were in the games, and something happened, like a fumble or whatever, and they lose the game that way, that'd be yeah. one thing. But the the first game of the season in Seattle, yeah. as we all know, the, you know, the debacle, whether to kick the field goal or go for it on first down. Uh, imagine that we're still dealing with that in this this week leading up to their next game. Yeah, two months later. How much of an effect uh, do you think the lack of ownership the past few years has led to to this? I really, I, I really do think that the lack of ownership has a lot to do with where we are right now. The fact and and the fact that I was on the air when Pat Bullen died, it was is a sad day. Yeah, but you I, told me that story. I just I just remember, you know, I I've interviewed Pat a number of times um, at you know the Bronco facility. So I knew Pat Bullen. I knew what he brought to the team when he first owned it and his enthusiasm for the team and how much he willed the team to win. And there wasn't any of that direction. They they had people in place like, you know, the, the, the former GM and, you know, and John Elway and all those things added in place. But they, they there was something missing for the for the team from a leadership standpoint. And it really showed its ugly head on on game day and and some of the decisions and even you know the draft picks from this new regime there they some of them are playing too soft mm-hmm. you know so there's a lot missing for this team that they got they have to address and i hope it's done in the off season where do you see the future well it depends i mean it it really depends on who's going to lead them and there has to be a decision to to bring in the right guy into this environment for the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. i mean they got the structure they got the history and all those things but they have to get the right guy and if he's let's say he's an offensive minded coach cuz i think evero i think they got to keep him they got to find a way to keep him as long as they can cuz he's a really good upcoming young he could be a head coach one day so the defensive side of the ball ever since Elway lost the Super Bowl to Seattle and learned how their defense you mean Manning no Elway is a GM lost oh, oh, to okay. Seattle he would bring in all the players to kind of formulate their team based on Seattle's defense mm-hmm. that's where he got you know he thought 
offense could win the Super Bowl, but then he learned defense can actually win. And ever since then, the defense has been outstanding, and the offense has been horrible. Even when the Broncos won Super the Super Bowl Fifty, oh, Elway's yeah. I mean uh, well, Manning's Manning's offense was yeah, horrible. Well, his, yeah, his arm went to a noodle. Yes, status. Yes. <laughs> so, but they have Russell Wilson, and I'd be interested to see. If he can thrive in a different offense, it's sort of geared around his strengths because I don't think the offense is geared right. It doesn't look right mm-hmm. in today's NFL. Well, you see the Broncos finishing the season this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to win another game. You really and think that? I do, and we're on and we're on record now. I really don't. I don't see them winning another game. And I said this. I think I said this two weeks ago. I don't see them winning another game. And you said. Well, Las Vegas is coming. They're horrible. And I know, and I said, I know, but there's going to be something. I've seen it before where a team like Denver can find a way to lose, and they did against the, the Raiders. So I don't see them winning any more games the rest of the season. Does anything make you happy in the Colorado sports landscape at this point? Obviously the Avs mm-hmm. and the Nuggets. Those mm-hmm. are the two things. And, you know, being the PA announcer for CC Hockey, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Even though they're not winning, it's really a great atmosphere. Yeah, but you, you have the opportunity with CC to kind of watch the uh, the growth. The growth, absolutely. Of the program. Absolutely. Because they're basically starting from scratch with Coach right. Mayock. And I want to be a part of that for years to come. So I hope mm-hmm. they keep me as the uh, PA announcer for even next year and the years after that. Where can they find you every day, Dan? You can find me on my and my show along with Justin Hart. From four to seven on KRDO News Radio. Got any social media? You can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. LinkedIn, huh? Yep. My LinkedIn page is nope. wide open for you. So still send me no a Instagram page, huh? I haven't I, I never got into Instagram or Twitter. I really never got into it. I don't know why. Mm. Probably more so for the professional level from uh from LinkedIn. It kind of suits my you know, my view of social media. Okay. From my you seat. You know, a lot of people have different views of social yeah, media. They really you know? do. Uh, last week, someone asked an old football coach, he said he was on social media, and, and the reporter asked him, Coach, what's your social media handle? The coach went on to uh, <laughs> say his email address. Oh, no. And then he got thousands of emails. I don't know. Wow. I don't know, but I guess. Yeah. Dan, thank you so Justin, much. Justin, it is my absolute pleasure. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to hear your voyage as a uh, fan. From, from the leader of Broncos country. I'm the voice We're of We're going to call you the president thank of Broncos you. country. Thank you. I represent, the first and only president. I will always represent all Bronco fans everywhere because I know they're all thinking exactly like I am. From sea to shining sea. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that's <laughs> Dan Koshell.